It's the Beervana Show, broadcast almost live in Portland on X-Ray FM and in Vancouver at KXRW, or available anywhere on your favorite podcast service. I'm Patrick Emerson, professor of economics at Oregon State University, and with me as always, Jeff Allworth, author of several books, including The Beer Bible. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Patrick. How's it going? Uh, well, I think we're both a little bit sleepy-eyed today. It's uh... Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm dragging. I think part of that's just because, I don't know. Yesterday was a really nice day. Today is kind of a typical November, wet, rainy Portland day. So I mean, that's part of it. Just yeah. the gray, the gloom. Yeah. But also, I got double vaxxed yesterday. Oh, the double, double vaxxed. Vax. <laughs> Very good. And uh, no, I, uh, normally, I, in the previous COVID shots and boosters, I haven't um, reacted at all. Like nothing completely, which turns out is bad. Right. So I'm probably not getting you have no, you my, have any, no my, my immune system is not waking up, <laughs> uh, which makes total sense because my wife gets hammered by the COVID vex and uh, she was the only person in our household who didn't get COVID ah. at some point. So I think the studies, uh, at least uh, there's evidence that the studies are correct in our household where her, her immune system really woke up and then did a good job fighting it came come time. And I don't normally react to the flu shot, but um, maybe two at once was overly I, ambitious. I don't know. I have heard people say that the two at once is a bit of a, a one-two punch, so to speak. All right. Well, uh, because we have a pretty long uh, interview today, we should get into our topic. All right. So uh, many of you know probably that Guinness is a sponsor of Jeff's blog, uh, Beervana. You call it a website. I'm trying to see that. Yeah, I was about to say. I'm trying to, I'm about, to about to the say. fact that it's a blog. You're trying to bring it into the 21st century. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Guinness sponsors Jeff's uh, writings on the internets. That's that's correct. There yes. you go. Uh, and um, uh, you may also have enjoyed the periodic audio updates from the Dublin Giants' latest activities. Okay, if you say so. Yeah, well, we did a we did a podcast when I was uh, in uh, Baltimore, I think, in twenty twenty one. Oh, okay, that's what you're referring to. Yeah. yeah. All right. I didn't know if you'd done these little podcast extras, little spoken word. No, you know. no, no. But I can spoken word. Spoken word. All right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> in Chicago, Guinness opened brewery. Anyway, <laughs> in September, Guinness opened its second Open Gate brewery. This time in Chicago. Its first was in Baltimore. That's right. Although they've like downscaled that, right? Yes and no. We should talk about that in, uh, when you. Fin- I'll let you finish this. In- yeah, I- right before we talk about the interview, I'll, I'll I'll touch on that. Gotcha. Okay. So Jeff went to the Windy City to check it out just last week. Correct. Welcome back. Thank you. And while he was there, he sat down with brewer Megan Schwartz and Ryan Wagner. Uh, is that Brewers Megan Schwartz and Ryan Wagner, or is that uh, Brewer Megan Schwartz and then also some dude named Ryan Wagner? Latter. The latter one. Okay. <laughs> Ryan, Ryan Wagner has this incredibly. He, I, I force him to use his title. He, he has this incredibly long uh, title, which is a, a thing only that could come out of. Cor- but both of them. But both of them help see the project over the finish line. No, just Ryan. Just Ryan. Okay. Now I understand where you were going with the sentence. <laughs> so let me try again. So Jeff went to the Windy City. He hung out with, with Brewer Megan Schwartz. He also hung out with Ryan Wagner, who was the dude who helped seed the project over the finish line. There you go. Thank you. I'm uh, tired. Have I, have I mentioned that? Yeah, I know. We're both, we're both really tired. <laughs> it's going to be interesting. Luckily, we've got this pre-recorded interview. That's right. So and, he, and it is a really, it's, a, it's a quite a cracking interview. Uh, Wags and I, Ryan Wagner Wags, as he's known to all, 
uh, have known each other now for a long time. And uh, so we had we had a nice chat and, and Megan was fun along the way. So I think you'll enjoy that chat. All right. Well, you get to enjoy that soon. But first, Nick. As an industry, craft beer is decidedly liberal on its social issues, which makes sense when you consider a brewery's business is selling as much beer as they can. That doesn't mean some aren't overtly conservative, like Arm Forces Brewing Company, which is set to open in Norfolk, Norfolk, Norfolk Virginia. Virginia, man, botch that. <laughs> I was really, really trying to lay, uh, nail the Norfolk there, but I <laughs> had trouble. Uh, locals in the LGBTQ-friendly neighborhood of Ghent were angry to learn that the self-consciously homophobic brewery was opening in their midst and have lobbied for local officials to deny the brewery's permitting. The controversy escalated recently, however, when reporter Dave, on, Dave Infante uh, revealed the brewery had received $300,000 in incentives from state and local officials. Um, and the reason I threw this in here is just because it goes to show that if you're going to fund uh, local businesses, you probably have to be a little careful about how they're going to land when they when you when they pop when they pop up in the community that you funded them in. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, uh, I haven't heard of. Well, I actually something crossed my conscious, yeah, yeah. Conscious, consciousness about this, probably from you. Um, but it's uh, yeah, it's um, being overtly homophobic is not yeah not, not a great look and not great look for politicians who are funding. That's Such right, and, and 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 just to in case people are questioning that it it, it, it you can go read Dave's reporting on it. He actually uh, applied for a FOIA to break this story, which is pretty cool, mm. way way above and beyond what you'd find on my website. Let's go, Dave. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and he talks about um, this brewery and 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 why everybody's angry. So it's not just. Um, uh, me characterizing it in a particular way, I think. Yeah, and I wouldn't imagine the that the armed forces themselves are particularly thrilled about a brewery called Armed Forces. <laughs> that's right. That's a whole separate overtly discriminatory. Yes. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Yeah. And the second a bit of news: the English magazine Pellicle. Yes. Thank yeah. you. Published a fascinating footnote about a hop that almost seemed like it might go from volunteer to local hero before winds took down the sole field, which hasn't been replanted. Here's the story. A worker on Strang's farm in Kent discovered some unusual hops at the end of a row in 2015. He planted more of them and began sending them out to breweries. One of the strains, now called number seven, delighted brewers and even led to some green hop awards. Alas, that's, like, that's fresh hop. Fresh to, hop awards. To Americans. Yes. Alas, the hop, described as pithy orange marmalade tangerine, a touch herbal, dill lemongrass a hint of pear drops sweet bubblegum and coconut note there's a lot of things going on in there yeah really it may be gone for good as the farm has no plans to string up new trellises of number seven that's quite a tale that is quite a tale yeah well so uh they still have the stock though the the rhizomes or the that's right they could it's not lost to the to the world but um, but, but they need a market they need a market and this just goes to show that there is Still good journalism being done in the beer sphere out there by folks like Pellicle and other places. So good for Pellicle for writing this cool piece. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the state of journalism in general is... Poor. Uh, well, it's a, it's a, 
uh, journalists aren't doing something that, of great sadness to yes. me because I think that <laughs> journalism is incredibly important, and especially for democratic societies, it's vital. And so it's always good to see how it sneaks out into the ether. Right. It's just it's it's the the organs themselves are not healthy. Yeah. Journalism's fine. Well, uh, we better get to this interview because it's long. So, uh, what do you want to say before we get? Yeah, I just said I was going to say something about. Oh, you're I was going to say something gonna, about the Baltimore. I, yeah, I was just going to say. So the it's called the Open Gate Brewery, and yep. the uh, that is a title that Guinness has been using since they opened their first little ten barrel test brewery in in St James Gate in Dublin, mm-hmm. uh, and then they decided to call the first brewery that they opened in America, uh, in Baltimore also open gate and they call this open gate chicago so that's just a little locution mm-hmm. edu- education there <laughs> uh the question that you asked was about what happened in in uh, baltimore in baltimore yeah. and so in baltimore they this is pre and actually there's a i i talk i use guinness as an example of talking about big beer on my website birvana mm-hmm. aka a blog uh, you should go check that out because um, Guinness has really pursued a really different strategy than other big breweries uh, based on on draft sales more yeah. than others, so it's fascinating. But um, their their pre-COVID plan when they opened that brewery in 2017 was they would use the the pub to find beers that seemed popular and they installed a 10 hectoliter brewery that they would package and sell regionally mm-hmm. of those brands. Right. Well... The industry changed and it turned out that that portion the scaling up and selling regionally uh particularly during COVID, didn't pan out so they closed the 10 hectoliter brewery right which or uh, 100 hectoliter brewery i'm sorry the big the big brewery um which got reported as they closed baltimore which was not true right the, the everything else that that site is doing really well which is why they opened chicago so they're still brewing in smaller batches to uh, sell at the pub there. That's right. They still have their little 10 barrel. So they populate the pub with cool little beers. Cool. Um, and that's what they're doing in Chicago. And so they're replicating that in Chicago. Yep. All right. Well, shall we hear about it? Let's hear about it. We are here in Chicago, Illinois at the brand new kind of I guess how five five weeks? I think it's new new. Yeah, yeah five yeah. weeks. Five, five yeah, weeks old. Weeks. Uh, Guinness uh, Brewery and Pub with uh, Megan Schwartz. I want to say Schwartz. Yep. I really want to say Schwartz. <laughs> yep, everyone does. And uh, Ryan Wagner, known affectionately by all as Wags. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about this whole project. So why don't we just get started? Uh, Ryan, I know you love this question. What What is your title? Don't, don't make me do it, Jeff. Uh, so, National Ambassador for Guinness, uh, which covers all sorts of things. Beer quality and training and heritage and culture and all kinds of fun stuff. But then for the OGB here in Chicago, the Open Gate Brewery, uh, Head of Marketing and Community Partnerships as well. Okay. So, you you are actually one of the, the kind of people who have who are involved in this process and have seen it through and helped it get launched. So... Is that accurate? Uh, yeah, it's been a labor of love. I think uh, I've been working specifically on the Chicago project. We, I, everybody in Baltimore, which that's where I started with Guinness uh, at our Open Gapery there, everybody in Baltimore is lending a hand here and there with various things, getting you know certain things off the ground. But uh, August of last year is when I officially joined the Chicago team, quote unquote. And this is a big move for you. You are a Baltimore guy. You're the most Baltimore guy I've ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think I mentioned to you that our brewers back in Baltimore, uh, Peter and Sean, Todd, uh, you know, very, very good friends of mine, keep listening 
on interviews and TV appearances, and they're like, every time I bring up, oh, Chicago's a great period of time, we're so excited to be in Chicago, I'll get a message, like, traitor. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's, it's been fun. You know, it's, it's a great town. Uh, the move was challenging. I moved, nobody moves to Chicago in February. What a yeah. terrible idea. Uh, well. um, but, uh, but it's been great, and the city's uh, embraced us and embraced this brewery. So. Excellent. Uh, we're going to have you do your uh, Baltimore accent, but we'll, we'll save that for later. Yeah, save it for later. Uh, Megan, <laughs> you are the head brewer here. Brewer. Brewer. Yep, just two brewers. Just two brewers. Yep. Uh, is head there, brewer is still in Baltimore. That's still Sean Brennan okay, back in so Baltimore. There's all this. There's all these locutions, and people relate to this differently. Are you the Are you the the, the head of operations in Chicago, Illinois? No, <laughs> my it's, title it's, is it, technically brewer. Okay. Yep. So you you, you and. Nate. Nate. Nate Morin. Nate Morin are... Uh, Two you... brewers were just running, running the place back there every day. Okay, so we're going to talk a little bit about how you do that together, because that's interesting. Usually okay. there's a... Yeah. A, a, there, a, a yeah. Head. So, like, how... We'll, we'll see how you how you adjudicate uh, disagreements about recipe <laughs> design in a minute. But one, <laughs> before we get into that, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background? Uh, sure. And we'll come back to Chicago, but let's let's hear who you are first. Sure. Yep. Um, so I have a degree in chemical engineering, um, and I got it in Baltimore. So I started my brewing career in Baltimore, and you know that's how I ended up getting into Guinness. But I started at another craft brewery in Baltimore originally. Um, didn't really know a lot about the brewing industry, if I'm being honest. I knew about fermentation. I thought that was very cool. I liked that side of it. Um, and just on a whim sort of applied to a bunch of breweries after college. And someone was silly enough to hire me. So why, um, why breweries? What, with your degree, what might you have applied to if it hadn't been breweries? Um, it's a lot of process engineering. Pharmaceuticals is, uh-huh. is a popular area that people um people go into just nothing was really calling out to me i guess um so you decided to eschew big pharma for the real money here (laughs) i always joke yeah um not the most lucrative job i probably could have gotten but um i think more fun i mean i i never worked in the chemical engineering industry but this is a very i can't imagine it would be more fun than this right so uh you got a job doing as, as a brewer as a brewer yep and uh but beer is chemistry right so yeah it kind of works for sure it, it definitely helped i mean i don't think i would have gotten that role without experience without my degree um and the head brewer and the brewmaster were you know very i guess science oriented so that that did play a part in that and then i did end up moving into the quality lab and i was the lead quality person for that brewery eventually mm-hmm. and that's when i that's how i got the role at guinness as and well that, that was heavy seas in that baltimore. was heavy seas in baltimore which, which is literally just kind of like around the corner from the, the it baltimore. was five minutes down the road yeah <laughs> yeah that's kind of cool yep and then guinness ended up moving in and a year a year after they opened i applied to a quality position ended up getting that role um, and then I moved into the brewery two years later, mm-hmm. and then I've been doing that ever since. And so you were brewing in Baltimore before you came here? Brewing in Baltimore, right. So how did they coerce you to move to Chicago? <laughs> and did you have to come I out moved, here in February? Too? No, I moved in May, so <laughs> it was good. a little bit kinder. <laughs> way, yeah. more con- way more convenient. Yeah. Um, it wasn't too much coercing. It is, you know, I am a brewer, but it is a little more responsibility. Um, and it was exciting to be part of the project from the start. Mm-hmm. So I, w- I was interested in it. Um, and I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Actually, Chicago is an awesome town. Yeah. Uh, Baltimore is 
way underrated in terms of cool towns. So would agree. I, I, I would imagine that leaving Baltimore was painful, especially for a Baltimorean. It was, um, and, I, and I think also for both of us, for both me and Megan, by the way, she's underselling herself. She has a lot of responsibility out here. Um, I know the title is always a bit challenging, uh, but yeah, I mean, leaving Baltimore and not just leaving the town, but also leaving Open Gate in Baltimore. You know, we had, Meg certainly played a huge role in getting that place up and on its feet. And um, I'd been there since the beginning, along with Peter Weens and, and Sean and uh, Holly, uh, who has since moved on to bigger and better things. Uh, so leaving that was uh, a bit challenging, but I think we also knew what it was going to take to get this place up and running. So I'm glad that we brought Meg out from Baltimore. I'm glad that I was here because I think there's a lot of a lot of learnings, a lot of things that we learned to do well, a lot of things that we learned to avoid, frankly, mm -hmm. uh, in Baltimore that we were able to bring uh, bring to bear on this project. Yeah, well, if you hadn't learned anything, that would be a real indictment. <laughs> I agree, 100%. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about the whole Guinness uh, strategy of opening breweries in the United States, which I think is maybe the most interesting part of this. Um, the Baltimore piece kind of fit in one way because uh, Diageo already owned the property. Mm -hmm. um, it's a really gorgeous property and you had these giant rick houses that you could put a brewery in. So that made a lot of sense. Like that wasn't a, a big reach maybe in some ways. How did you, once you had a beachhead here, it worked out well, right? So let's talk a little bit before we, uh, apparently that experiment worked. I, I think so. You know, I think in many ways we're, we're still trying to figure it out yeah. uh, because when you work at Guinness and you've been around 265 years, five years in business, they're like, give it some time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, we, we went over a million guests in January of 21, which is a hard number to, to conceive. And um, Especially in January of 21. During, yeah, during COVID. I, th that number hitting was something that we expected to have happen early in 2020. Obviously, we know why it didn't. Yeah. Uh, but it was, a, it was a very celebratory moment. We've continued to build on that success. Uh, the beers that we've brewed, I think, were over 400 unique recipes over the course of those five years. And I think the goal of the Open Gate Brewery, in a nutshell, if you pare it down to one sentence, it's convincing people that Guinness is, in fact, a brewery. You know, so many people, especially in this country, are convinced that it's just one beer. It's just Guinness Draft Stout. Uh, so Baltimore, I think, was wildly successful when it comes to that. I mean, we could go over all the different learnings and studies and things that we've done and, you know, find that people have a different perception of what Guinness is and what Guinness means uh, after they have visited the Open Gate Brewery in Baltimore. So it, it means something more personal. Guinness is more a part of my community. Guinness is more a beer for me. And I think what it boils down to is Open Gate Brewery puts a face, a very literal human face on the Guinness brand. And whether that face is Meg's or Peter's or Sean's or the servers, the bartenders, the people that bring that brand to life every day, that's something that I think Guinness was missing in the United States because we didn't have that physical home uh, for what, you know, the U.S. has been home for Guinness for over 200 years. So um, that's what I think it did. And I think that's what led that success in Baltimore led to the conversation of can we do this in a bigger market? So one interesting thing that's happening in beer uh, is, well, beer is faltering, and it's kind of if you're not a Mexican brewery, it's it's kind of it's it's rough sledding. Tell us a little bit about how Guinness is doing though nationally. Guinness is doing good. Yeah, yeah we're 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 up. We're you know we're killing it uh, in many ways, and I think that uh, I think there's a return. We saw this during the pandemic. I've you know I've read some of the things that you've written, Jeff, about people during the pandemic really returning to what was familiar, returning to those kind of, um, uh, I don't know, just, just the things that were very much a part of their beer drinking history. And I think Guinness has fit very well into that. But I also think that Guinness hasn't settled. Um, you know, we've continued to innovate. We've continued to try to find ways to reach out to new and different drinkers. 
Um, everybody in the beverage alcohol space is trying to crack the nut that is the 21 to 34 year old crowd. Like we all know that. Um, and I think that Guinness appeals in a lot of different ways. It is much more an experiential brand than I think a lot of beer brands out there um, because of our history, because of our heritage. And right now what I know beyond a shadow of a doubt is what that younger crowd is looking for is not necessarily a great beer or a great meal. What they're looking for is a memorable experience. And I think Guinness plays in that space very well just by nature of, of how we treat our products, the way we talk about our beer, the way we talk about our history. It's a storytelling brand. Uh, and that's, I think, even more so than a beer brand maybe. And I might, I might get fired for saying that, but um, we are very much a storytelling brand and that's what people are, that's what people are looking for right now. So you started in, in Baltimore uh, for reasons that we've already discussed. And now there are, you can go anywhere in America. Why do you go to Chicago? Um, we go to Chicago because this is, this, you know, you and I have spent the last couple of days talking about the Midwest, and there's just something extraordinarily beer-centric about this part of the country. Oh, this you is bet a, there is. This is a beer-drinking <laughs> part of the world. Um, you know, whatever that beer might be, and everybody's got their favorite. You know, we could talk about some of those brands, and, you know, we're, we're just south of, I think, the highest beer-drinking state uh, in terms of per capita in the country in, in Wisconsin. So this is a great part of the, the country to be in because you can pull from all of those different places um, Chicago is kind of what I've learned since I've moved here is that no matter where you go to school in the Midwest, a lot of people then move to Chicago. It's, right. it's just sort of what you do. Right. Um, so we have people with lots of different backgrounds, lots of different experiences from different places around the country. Um, but Chicago is this miniature melting pot inside of the melting pot that is the United States. So I think there was a chance to really dig into uh, when we talk about the Guinness fan base it is a very diverse one it is a very eclectic one and I think nowhere is that better represented than Chicago and you know frankly our beer has been here since 1910 um, Guinness is very much at home in Chicago even if we had not had a physical home here yet um, and we've you know <laughs> since we opened on September 28th the number one question I've gotten is so what are you guys doing for St. Patrick's Day uh, and I've answered the same every time I've said we're closing we're not gonna we're just, it's, it's gonna be crazy and of course I'm kidding but at the same time you know when you look at Dying the River, when you look at uh, Notre Dame, you know, we're Guinness is sponsors of the Notre Dame Alumni Association. This is a massive Notre Dame market. Um, there are just so many things that when you think about Chicago, you immediately connect that dot to Guinness. So for us, it was a chance to, to build on a relationship that I think was already over 100 years old and give people a place to really dig into everything they love about Guinness. So you, so I guess we should say that Guinness uh, has does well in certain cities and Tell us where Chicago falls on that. Yeah, it's top three. Top I mean, this three. is one of the top three markets for us in the U.S. Uh, and you mentioned the Dying of the River. I don't know if everybody in America knows that, but um, the Chicago River flows through. Well, I, I, I learned this from you flows yesterday. It flows the wrong way. It yeah. flows the wrong <laughs> Engineers 100 years ago, more than 100 years ago, mm -hmm. reserve, reversed the flow of the Chicago River, which blows my mind. I had no idea. Mm. Um, but relevant to our point, um, I don't know for how many decades uh, the city has stained the, the, the river green on yeah. St. Patrick's Day. So it's like St. Patrick's Day is, is a really big deal here. It's a huge deal here. And, you know, you talk to everybody. Uh, my very dear friend, you, you had a chance to meet her a couple of days ago, Liz Garibay, who runs uh, Chicago's Beer Culture Center. Um, when she talks, I think she said the other day when we were chatting, she's like, it doesn't matter where you're from. Chicago is the most eclectic city in the world. There's people from all over the world. Everybody on March 17th, when that river dies green, whatever day that happens, it's usually the Saturday before St. Patrick's Day, they're all Irish. Everyone's <laughs> Irish. Um, and it's, it's just such a unique tradition. Uh, I also love the Chicago River because it cuts right through the middle of downtown Chicago. And 
you know, I've lived in New York. I've been to most major cities in this country. When you're in a city center, almost anywhere, it's very hard to appreciate the scale of a city because you're right in the middle of skyscrapers, basically. But what the river does is it gives this breadth and this width to downtown so you can really appreciate how big of a city and how remarkable the, uh, the architecture of this city is. Um, so to, to have that be the center point of one of the most unique and biggest St. Patrick's Day celebrations anywhere in the world, frankly, it's pretty cool. I got a chance to be on the boat last year on the river watching the river get dyed green. It's interesting that the powder they put in is orange. Don't ask me how that chemistry works. Interesting. We'll have to go back to yeah, we have a, Yeah, we have a chemistry. So. And it's the plumber's union that does it, which is also a very, you know, kind of a unique thing. But, yeah. um, you know, everything about St. Patrick's Day in this city is celebrated. It's a, it's a huge focus uh, for the entire city. And, you know, we get to play a small part here. That's, well, it's maybe a... It's going to be a small gonna... part, Jeff. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I think it, what, one of the things that uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, beer craft beer sells really well in America and you can kind of uh, fall into the habit of thinking that every place is the same but you've noticed really different ha drinking habits at this pub versus the Baltimore pub which I think says something about Chicago and we're going to use this as a, a, a launching pad to talk about Chicago beer yeah I'm excited to talk about Chicago beers because we can't convince Chicagoans that there is another beer from Guinness that isn't Guinness Draft Stout I say that with tongue planted firmly in cheek we love Guinness Draft Stout um, it is you know I, I know Megs loves it I love it our brewers love it there's a reason why Guinness is iconic, and a big part of that is because of that beer that is in your hand right now, by the way, sir. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, you know, in Baltimore, I think by nature of the fact that uh, when we opened that brewery, we had the flagship, we had Baltimore Blonde, uh, which has done very, very well for us in Baltimore. Uh, people, I think, were willing to explore a bit more right from the get-go. They were, you know, Guinness Draft tends to be somewhere between 25 and 30% of beer sales, so 70% is whatever the brewers are making on any given day. Um, here in Chicago in these early weeks, man oh man is Chicago playing the hits. Uh, they're coming in and, and they're they're getting a pint of Guinness Draft Stout. Uh, and I, you know, we're, we're, I'm still trying to figure it out a little bit. Is it because they're waiting in line? This is a smaller space than Baltimore, so there's a little bit more of a wait to get in. Um, is it because, you know, there are so many amazing and well-established craft breweries in Chicago, so they're coming here to, to have a Guinness at Guinness, quote-unquote. Um, but my job, and you know, I train our bartenders here, if you ask for a Guinness at the bar, they're going to ask you which one, because every beer we brew is technically Guinness. Uh, and yet the answer is pretty often draft. Well, well it's the original one. Yeah, I, the, want, the I, want the one. I want the normal one. I want the normal regular one. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we're, we're guiding people, uh, hopefully explaining this tap list, why we brew the beers, or why Meg is brewing the beers that she's brewing. Um, and it doesn't take long, I will say that, for people to come around to the idea of something new, something different from Guinness. Um, we've been innovators our entire history. You know, if you talk about nitrogenation, we're in an old rail depot right now. The history of Guinness when it comes to trains and rail systems is something really remarkable and really unique. Um, You're a professional. One. Look at That's this. A, look, As the train goes by, I scheduled that metro yeah. train right yeah. there. <laughs> oh, two. Look at that. Oh, two yeah, trains two, going yeah. by. Two trains. Yes, um, and we're right here on the train tracks. I mean, there's a lot, when it comes to Guinness storytelling, there is a lot of history when it comes to innovation. And so I think this is just the next chapter. Um, and I'm excited for people to dig into what is new, what is different. Guinness Draft will always be here. I didn't get that. Oh my, she's listening to me. Um, <laughs> but uh, speaking of technology, um, but yeah, we're, we're excited for all the different things that, uh, that people are gonna get to try when it comes to the beer. All right, let's talk a little bit about Chicago beer. Uh, when, and we'll come back to what you, Meg, are brewing here in this building. But I'm curious, you guys are both, uh, you know, 
So you've been here six months? I've been here like almost ten months. Ten months? Yeah. My math is always no, it's okay. tight. Nine months. I've been here you've been, six you've been here six months. Yeah. All right. So yeah. why don't you reflect a little bit on what you've observed about Chicago beer and how it's how it's unique, how it's different. What 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 tell us a little bit about Chicago beer? Um, I don't know. I mean we were just at Fobab this past weekend. I think uh -huh. that's firmly planted um what the festival of barrel-aged beers is that mm -hmm. what it stands for um so it's the largest barrel-aged festival in north america which is super cool i was super excited to go and see it um so i think that's a very big part of chicago beer and chicago beer history um otherwise there's just so many breweries to explore more so than baltimore um yeah, I've heard that there are more breweries in, in Chicago than any place, and every, a lot of places will say that, but it seems like maybe a credible boast here, yeah? I think it's got to be close. Uh, there are it's, others that, you know, maybe there's more breweries in Asheville per capita or right. something like that. But Leaving aside per capita. I think, I think surely on number of breweries in Chicago and Chicagoland area, I mean, the number is huge. You know, we're, we just joined the Illinois Craft Brewers Guild a couple months ago, excited to be a part of their membership, and... Um, it's it's overwhelming and in the best possible way right. when you start looking at these breweries so i mean there there's i guess the old school breweries that maybe define it like revolution with their ipa or you know like daisy cutter those types of beers but there's so many beers in chicago that it, it's it's just such a beer scene out here it's hard to say like what is the defining beer out here yeah i don't know i i've i've noticed you and i talked about this I, I love that how, how committed people are to the dive bar scene in mm -hmm. Chicago. Yeah. I think yeah. that's very much a Midwest thing. Totally. I'm learning, and I'm a dive bar fanatic, so it's, it's been great. You can drive north all the way to uh, Canada, and it's going to be the same thing. You're going <laughs> to see the same thing. Perfect. Um, but we, yeah, I mean, I, I, I've noticed the commitment to lager beer in, in this city is certainly something that I think is, you know, where we're coming from in Baltimore, I don't think there's that same commitment. There are a couple of lagers that really stand out, you know, mass-produced lagers. But the craft breweries out here, there are some well-established breweries that are pretty much only doing lager beer. Um, and also there's, I, I think, maybe more so than any city I've lived in, certainly, the commitment here to going out for a beer is something that is a bit unique. I mean, we know the U.S. is skewed wildly in, in an interesting direction where we are primarily a, a country that buys our, our beer and our alcohol to take home to drink. But this city seems to me to be a place where it's, I'll meet you out for a beer. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. And maybe that's just anecdotal for me because I keep going out for beers. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, it certainly seems that way. Um, but yeah, to Meg's point, I mean, the, the breweries here, and we've been fortunate enough to bounce around to quite a few of them uh, just to say hello yeah, and, and get enough. to know our, our colleagues. Um, but yeah, everywhere from Half Acre Revolution, Goose Island is a massive part oh, yeah, of, the, of the fabric of this city. Yeah. Um, back to boat. Yeah. Back to the barrel age, full bab. Full bab. Yeah. Thank you. We talked about Dovetail. I mean, you and I have chatted about Dovetail Metropolitan. Uh, Cruz Blanca is right down the street from us here. Haymarket is right down the street. They've been here forever. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of just th that older guard. And it feels weird to say that because, you know, you coming from Portland, that certainly factors into the beer conversation out there. But there are people in the city that have been making beer for decades, mm -hmm. literally. So yeah. it's, it's fun to be a part of that. Yeah. Uh, so I know you originally hailed from New Hampshire. Uh, I don't know. Did, did you leave before you turned drinking age? Could, can you contrast Chicago with New Hampshire? I really can't. Okay. Yeah. Don't, don't have <laughs> too much drinking experience in New Hampshire, I honestly. I and I didn't really the craft part. beer scene in New Hampshire really sort of blew up after I left. So, okay. So unfortunately, so, no. Do you have, do you have observations as a brewer, the difference between, I don't know, talking to people here and in Baltimore, like what, 
Not really. Okay. I mean, for me, a brewer is sort of a brewer in, in both cities. Um, so yeah, I can't I can't say for sure if there's a difference between the two. Okay. I'm curious uh, on the brewing side. Let's shift to so. Like Baltimore, uh, if you order a Guinness draft here, it comes from St. James Gate in Dublin. So the kind of classics are brewed in, in Dublin, but you brew all the stuff that's not the classics. Uh, so talk a little bit about um, what you learned in Baltimore when you were deciding what to brew here yeah. and what you decided to brew. Yeah, um, so I guess in, in Baltimore, I mean, both, both breweries, we're just brewing what we think people want to drink, what we want to drink and what we think our consumers want to drink. Um, so our opening tap list was sort of a list of beers that we found were sort of fan favorites in Baltimore that we thought would be successful and we knew they were great beers for an opening draft list. And then from there it's sort of just having a creative tap list, having a, um, a mix of styles, a mix of ABVs, a mix of color, that type of thing. Um, but the, at the end of the day, it's just sort of what you want to drink. Like our opening tap list had um, our rice lager on it, uh -huh. which is my favorite beer. So that's why that was on the opening tap list. Ah, <laughs> so, you know, like yes. I, we wanted an alt beer and a Kolsch. So those those are on the draft list. We, you guys just dropped the alt beer. Mm -hmm. Correct. Uh, alt alt tumnal. Alt tumnal. Yes. Very nice. Keeping it. <laughs> Uh, seasonal. You always have to have a pun if you're going to be a brewer. That's it. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. They, they yeah. shouldn't have sent me out here with free reign on beer names. So. <laughs> yeah. It's a very nice alt. Uh, you were When were you in Dusseldorf? I was in Dusseldorf in January. So you so were, less you than were a just year there. Ago. So you, you also know what these things taste like. Uh, I remember them very fondly because Americans almost never make them properly. Or at least they don't make them like they make them in Dusseldorf. Mm. That's a really credible example. It's got a uh, wonderful malt character that's quite... Uh, typical. Um, I'm glad. You, you did not put too many hops in it, which people always think there's it's a it's a hoppier style than it is. So very well made beer. Damn Americans. Damn Americans. <laughs> yeah. Hops. Well, and they hear that it's a German it's a German style because Uruguay has a lot of hops in it, so they they feel like they can go crazy and uh, and then and then also it's just the wrong kind of hop. It's like too bitter without having that saturated quality that you get in Germany, like a the fine bitterness the Germans love. Right, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm liking it. Good. I, was, what it, I think also, you know, we talk about the tap list and some of the different beers that Meg and Native uh, come up with over the last few weeks. I mean, <laughs> the fact that our Chicago-focused tap list has almost completely turned over in the first five weeks is terrifying to me. That's crazy. Uh, but that speaks to how quickly we're going to rotate through things. Um, but also, the beer is good. And that to me is, I don't, I care what we brew. I care what we have on our tap list. I, I you know, I can throw out some suggestions. Thankfully, they're, they're willing to hear those uh, in terms of how to balance the tap list, what we should tap, when we should tap it. But it's also, it, it's got to be good. The beer has to be solid. And I think that's one of the things with Meg's background in quality, that's absolutely priceless. Like, we, we, we desperately need that. Um, because the beer is always very high quality, whether it's a style that you're familiar with, a style that you think should be on the tap list, it's still going to be a good version and a, and a quality version of that style. There was a comment we got uh, on our hazy IPA, and those listening are probably going, Guinness hazy IPA. Yes, in fact, there is one. Um, but someone <laughs> Well, wrote, you're a brewery in America, so of course there's it, one. There's got to be one, right? Um, but someone wrote uh, on Untapped, of all things, goodness, help me. Um, they were like, a banger hazy IPA out of nowhere from Guinness. And I'm like... <laughs> 
guys, we have good brewers. Like, we're making good beer. It's not out of nowhere. We've been brewing beer for 260 years. Uh, so I think that that's, that's kind of, again, at the crux of, of this whole thing is convincing people that we, we make good beer, guys. Like, well, whatever let, the style is. Let's talk about two beers that impressed me. Uh, I, Wags and I had beers uh, on, I don't even know what day. Saturday. Two days ago. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, I was really impressed with the cream ale that nice. you had. Yeah. Uh, which, uh, why don't you talk... I, I'll, I won't say anything. I'll let you sure. introduce that beer. Um, the cream ale was something I really just wanted to sort of have something a little bit Illinois, a little bit Chicago for a, an opening draft, especially, and just in general, we've decided to sort of have it be a staple beer for us. Um, so I was sort of trying to find things that were local to this area, and corn is an example of a crop that's, I don't, I don't know if it's one of the biggest states for corn, but Number yeah. Two. Number two. It's the second okay. biggest in the yeah. country. So a lot of corn grown Big in Illinois. Big ethanol yeah. state here. Like the, <laughs> the, the ethanol cartel is strong in yeah. Illinois. Sorry, Illinois. Hops, hops not so much, but corn, right. corn we were able to use. Um, so yeah, so I found some corn in Iroquois, Iroquois County. Um, it's a place called Janie's Mill. So it's a farm and they mill it for us. And um, yeah, sort of where the idea of the cream ale came from. Mm-hmm. It's a great beer. Now I can say some of this, and maybe you can reflect on on the flavors you're, you were shooting for. Um, the corn is really present. Yeah. It's actually not just a, a filler or something. I was slightly worried we'd have a little too much corn flavor, and even when I had it on draft, I was like, oh my gosh, is it too much corn? But everyone seems to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, it's our native grain. You know, yeah. it's it's the American grain, and we should have it more often. And I feel like it's a lovely flavor if it's if it's presented properly right. and uh, I, I, I think it really presents very well. I, I, I may have been more impressed with that beer than any other, which is interesting since it's a very mild, low impact beer, but. I like it, yeah, we did high carb, yeah, it's super, super light and sort of easy drinkability, like you said, so yeah, when you're we're wor- enjoying it. Yeah, when you're working with that much corn, how do you, uh, in the brew house, how was that? Um, well, this corn specifically, we had to pre-cook, uh-huh. so it's it wasn't pre-gelatinized, so we, we had to do that in the mash before we, you know, went along with the rest of the brew. Um, otherwise, we do add some yeast nutrient, um, just because it's about 20% corn in the grist. Yeah. And otherwise, it's, it's not too much different than a normal brew. Okay. Uh, the other beer I really liked was your oatmeal stout. Yeah. Uh, talk about that beer, which apparently is no longer on tap. So yeah, sorry, listeners. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, yeah. I mean, it might, you never know. It might Maybe come we'll back. Bring it back. Yeah. Well, this yeah. is uh, this is my my effort to get it come, to come back. It's my so. second favorite beer name we've come up with so far. Which was we made another stout. Oh, we made an another stout with an exclamation point. That's yeah. right. And what was the what's the uh, cream ale? What's its name? That one is called what did we call it? Corn maize cream ale. Go. And so maize is spelled sh- M-A-I-Z-E. Correct. Because yeah. marketing. Yes. Corn maize cream ale. <laughs> Trying to convince people a cream ale has corn in it. Yeah. And it's not a creamy style. Oh, right. and bef- we have to talk about our favorite, our favorite untapped comment of all time. Oh, where the person yeah. had the corn maize cream ale and said yeah. that they picked up on the corn, but they were hoping for more maize. <laughs> that person <laughs> is my hero. That is awesome. <laughs> So nice comment. We got we got the corn yeah. character, but we yeah. missed out on the maze. Yeah, so we'll add some more maze to the next. Yeah, we got to do we got to do more maze yeah. for that. I think that person's tongue was in their cheek. That's yeah. a good comment. I hope so. It was I, great. I Made us laugh. So. Yeah, let's. Yeah. Um, so the the oatmeal style. Oatmeal style. Yeah, that was one that um, we had brewed in Baltimore before. Um, that was like one of the first couple recipes that I had written in Baltimore when I first moved to brewing. Um, just one of those styles that I really enjoy. 
Um, it has a lot of oats. That one's about 20% oats. It's a lot. Um, yeah, like you said, like creamy mouthfeel um, and sort of a, a play on the name. We just wanted to provide sort of a contrast to the light drinking Guinness Draft Stout that everyone knows and comes and drinks, right? But um, hopefully this is, a, you know, a, a contrasting stout for people on the, on the draft list. Right. Yeah, so I'm really curious, when you do a, a stout that's brewed, you know, either, whether you're doing it here or in Baltimore, that's not a Guinness, not a not a classic Guinness stout, does that confuse matters even more? I don't know. I honestly wasn't sure if people were going to drink this beer. Yeah. Um, but people seem to enjoy it, and I mean, I suppose the name helped with that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and we do make it clear on the draft list what's brewed here and what's brewed in Dublin. Yeah, um, and if you read the thing and you read about Chicago, or you read about Illinois oats, or uh, yeah, no, no, that's sorry, that's the cream. That's ale. the cream ale. Yeah, nope, the oats were not. The, the from Illinois, Illinois oats. Sorry, no. I confused myself. I've been drinking a lot <laughs> since I've been here, so forgive me. Yeah, but it is pretty clear it's not on there. But also, I'm just wondering if people could have a Dublin stout. They apparently also will have an American stout. Right, they're excited about the stouts when they come here. I think that yeah. that's good. We'll make I mean, some more stouts for people. You mentioned the milk stout in Baltimore. Yeah. Being one of your one favorites. One of my all faves. All yeah. time faves. And it, it's... You guys it's, should re- revive that here. Yeah. we. I, I've been thinking about that. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. No, you're fine. The oatmeal stout was great. <laughs> I I think we were all a little curious to see how it would go because that was when we were in the first week or two and Guinness Draft was selling like hotcakes quite literally. Um, and it, uh, it did really well. It sold through quicker than I think we expected it to and... Um, we had a lot of great feedback on it. Uh, it's and as we were talking about earlier, oatmeal stouts, traditional American oatmeal stouts, are almost gone. It's it's kind of a shame. Absolutely, a classic style that I certainly cut my teeth on as I was coming up in you know the craft beer experience, and um, it was great to see that style back on. And Meg's version, I think, it was different. You, there were some small changes you did from the Baltimore recipe, right? No, this was the same one. I didn't think it was that much oats, but yeah, yeah. yeah. It was it that silky smooth mouthfeel, and I think it appealed to Guinness drinkers because, in many ways, I think Guinness Draft Stout has always been a gateway into craft beer for a lot of drinkers in the U.S. And maybe that oatmeal stout was a bit of a gateway into craft from Guinness, craft beer that's being made here from Guinness. So, um, if that's how it worked, and if that's what waken, awakens people, I guess, to the idea that, yeah, we, we're doing some other things that are worthwhile. Maybe that beer served its purpose. So Guinness has a really strong identity. You mentioned being a a company that's based on story, which I totally agree. Mm-hmm. Um, I often use Guinness as an example of, of local used in a brewery that can export local. Like having a local identity isn't only valuable for people in the region, it can be valuable for people outside the region if it's a, a, a distinctive local identity. Um, and Guinness has that, and you're right, it has a million stories. Uh, but that actually presents a challenge for an American outpost brewing other styles of beer and I'm curious if either of you have reflections on stepping on all that stuff versus you know creating an identity for Guinness Chicago like how do you how do you think about all that I don't know um in terms of having an identity for the types of beers that we're gonna have on top all the time um I, th- I think we kind of just try to have a have a variety of things, honestly. Because you're right, like we're rooted in Irish culture. I don't think people come here, and as much as some of us might like it to be 
like eight German loggers on draft. I don't know if that's necessarily what everyone wants, right? right. <laughs> um, so I, I think we, you know, we're obviously very rooted in the Irish culture and that identity, but we're not going to have 10 Irish, well, I don't even know. Stouts and red ales. Exactly. And, yeah, I don't yeah. even know what we would have on. So, yeah, I think we try to, you know, cover a lot of the spectrum and um, just try to play with a lot of different styles and different beers. I think for me, it's it's also, I think we have a responsibility to live up to the commitment and frankly risk that Guinness took six years ago, seven years ago when they decided that if we wanted to be an authentic part of the American beer scene, and I'm, I'm not taking a shot at anybody, everyone's business model is their own and, and whatever makes sense for them makes sense for them. But I've always loved the fact that when Guinness wanted to be a part of the American beer scene, they built a brewery and did it themselves. Um, and with that comes the expectation that it can't just be Guinness as usual. Uh, we have to branch out, we have to be creative, we have to be innovative. Um, Guinness Draft Style will always be tap handle number one. There's no doubt about it. Uh, when we opened in Baltimore, I remember distinctly that Guinness Draft Style was handle 1, 10, and 20. And it was on both sides of the tap room. We expected to have to pour that much Guinness Draft. Here in Chicago, it's been handle 1 and 12. Um, eventually, I hope we get to a point where we can take off handle number 12 because we can add one more of Meg's beers and we can step away a little bit from that Guinness Draft Style uh, you know, focus. But the good news is this place is successful if people come here, experience the beer, experience Guinness, and then go out to their local pubs, their local bars, their local bottle shop, whatever it is, and have a different, more uh, more evolved, I suppose, in some ways, but also a renewed commitment to being a part of that Guinness story. Um, that's That, to me, is this place being successful. If we make it easier to sell Guinness beer everywhere outside of these walls. Right. Okay. Uh, I feel like... Before we go any further, you got to do your Baltimore accent. Why do you? Why are you gonna make me do this? <laughs> I, I worked what, so hard to what, get rid of it. What's the phrase for? Uh, I mean, for it's got. It's definitely accent. the Orioles and going. You know, well, I mean, yeah, you know, the Camden Yards. No, go, not. You don't go down to Camden Yards. I mean, you could go down there, but like most people go CDOs and then they go down the ocean. Because if you're from New Jersey, you go to the shore. But if you're from Baltimore, you go down the ocean, and it's D O W N Y down the ocean. Um, and yeah, I worked very hard to get. I mean, it's it's a great accent in that accent. it is a very unique accent. But my gosh, is it tough on the ear sometimes? I'm oh, sure no. I'm going to hear from Todd and Sean. Todd, one of our, our brewers who's since moved into marketing, uh, he can get a pretty wicked Baltimore accent going. He doesn't um, think so, but he does. Oh, it's, it's all, real bad. It's all in his O's. Oh, it's, oh it's, it's real bad. You give him two or three beers. And water, and, water and O's. Yeah, going down here, down the O's, get, get some water. Um, yeah, you got to brew, brew the beer with the water. Uh, but yeah, there's there's um, that accent. My gosh, That's what a awesome. what a unique one! We need we need a Chicago in here for a good a good Chicago know, accent. Right? So the next time we'll have to do that. We'll have to bring somebody in, yeah. <laughs> okay, so everyone is going to be wondering uh, whether uh, Guinness will do another American mm-hmm. brewery, and and if so, where where would that be? And uh, I put it to you. Yeah, it's a great question. I think if we're successful, um, you never know. I know that's kind of a classic non-answer, but I certainly don't have any insight that would tell me a firm yes or a firm no. But what I do know is this. I think that building on what Baltimore did, we see the impact that our breweries uh, can have in a market, in a, in a community. Um, and it's not just about sales, right? It's about the work that we're doing from a community standpoint. It's supporting people like Liz and the, the Beer Culture Center. It's supporting the uh, Greater Chicago Food Depository. It's supporting local businesses and local makers that 
are from uh, underserved communities in many instances. So I think that is what appeals to Guinness more so than, than simply beer sales or simply brand awareness is the fact to really have a lasting impact. So I, I think that there's certainly a chance that there could be more of these. I don't know where they would be. I've got, you know, I can tell you what would be at the top of my list. I mean, what would be at the top of your list? I mean, coming to Portland, Oregon with Jeff, uh, Jeff Allworth <laughs> oh, and, wow. and doing a Guinness beer. No, I don't know. I, I mean, there's a million places that you could go. And I think it also... I feel like it would be... I feel like the Pacific Northwest would actually pretty be pretty good. Our culture and our, our, our environment is so similar to Dublin. So I feel like there's a resonance there. Yeah. Just putting in a pitch. All right. It's in. We'll, 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 you got it. we'll put out an if you, RFP. If you, or, if, if you had to do it in Seattle, I wouldn't be offended. I get yeah. that. Yeah. So, you know. Close I think there's, there's a million places, right? Because you could also look at the, at the impact that beers like Guinness Extra Stout and Foreign Extra Stout, too, that I know you love and that, yeah, that we love, certainly. Yeah. The impact that those beers have with you know West African communities, yes. uh, expat communities, uh, West Indian expat communities, and so could you go to a place like South South Florida? Could you yeah. go to somewhere like Miami right. and create something that's uniquely Guinness and uniquely extra stout uh, focused and really tie into uh, the multicultural element and you know the West African uh, influence that that influence has had on Guinness? I mean. If you travel to Africa or if you read anything about Guinness in Africa, my goodness, is it such a different brand. And I mean that in the best way possible. It is so vibrant and so colorful. Um, you know, I would love to go there sometime and see that brewery. Just, yeah. just in Lagos, Nigeria, out. you throwing that out there? Just putting that yeah. out there. <laughs> on the, all of us. Kind to of the, on the record. To the powers yeah. that be at Diageo. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff and I would like to go to Lagos, Nigeria. Yes. And Meg can come along, too. Oh, yeah. yeah if you want to go. Yeah. I, I very much, I would. that's like a bucket list thing. I would love, love, yeah. love that. Literally, if you gave me five breweries in the world to go to, that would be number one. So, just saying, well, anyone who saying, happens to be listening to this, the biggest Guinness brewery. It is, yeah. Oh, it's, really? It's it makes huge. more than uh, St. James Gate. As I, I, I believe that's true. Yeah. Like I'm war, sure we'll get a call. Production, but like I think so. Like in terms of production, uh-huh. of I mean, Nigeria is the second largest sales market in the world. For it sounds yeah. to me like someone needs to go investigate this question. <laughs> I agree. And yeah. I, 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 I'm, I'm here. We need to send Jeff down that's to right. do an investigative report. I love it. So the last thing, and I, I hope you can talk about this, but there is another Guinness planned, not on this continent, but another continent. Can oh, yeah. you talk about that at all? Sure. Yeah, let's let's talk about that. London. Uh, Guinness at Old Brewer's Yard is what they're calling it. Um, so we are uh, OGBs. They are OBY. Um, it's, uh, man, that's a big beast of a project. Uh, and Meg and I have a very dear friend that's just been installed as the site director and head of brewing operations out there, our very own Holly Stevenson, who is our uh, original head brewer in Baltimore. Right. Um, lived, so, lived, lived for a time in uh, maybe a future location for Guinness. Yeah, she was running Aviation Gin out in, uh, out in Portland. <laughs> out in and, Portland, uh, Oregon. Yeah, she was brought out to London. Uh, she and uh, her wife, Rebecca, just moved out, what, two months ago? I don't yeah. even know if it's been that long. Yeah. Uh, oh, they so, didn't move her out in a terrible month. She got to move out in a... <laughs> I think I did it to myself, to be honest. I don't want to blame anybody for that. You 100% did. It's absolutely you my fault. February. I tried. Yeah, yeah, I waited as long as I could. It ended up being February, and I regret it every day. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, yeah, so Holly's going to be out there. That is a, that's a big beast of a project that I think we're all excited to see come to life. So um, you mentioned this to me, Jeff, that uh, the way that craft beer is really evolving in places like the U.K. and Ireland is... I mean, it's at a rapid pace, and they're, you know, where they were five years ago versus where they are now is night and day. So I think this is a perfect time for Guinness to, to recreate what we've done here in the States, but to do it in a market like the UK, number one sales market for Guinness. Uh, so Also really doing well. Uh, Guinness is, is experiencing enormous growth in the UK. Is that right? Number one uh, on draft, uh, number one draft beer on premise in the UK, yeah. which is unreal. I mean, that's, that's hard to fathom. It is. Um, but yeah, they've been doing remarkably well. 
that brewery is a 15 hex system. Uh, I think Holly wanted a little bit bigger, uh, but 15 hex is a great place to start. And it's it's in Covent Garden, which for those that aren't familiar with London is like in the middle of the world. Like it is smack in the middle of everything that is cool about London. Uh, they're going to have so many different food, uh, kind of creative food options. There's event space. There's a retail space. Very similar in many ways to the concept of an open gate brewery, especially as we brought it to life in Baltimore. Uh, the Chicago site that we're sitting in now is a little bit smaller. It's a little bit more intimate. Uh, but London is going to be it's going to be big and brassy and glitzy. That's and, going to uh, be a little yeah. production brewery. Oh, yeah. And I mean, a little 15-heck brewery that pumps out some beer. Like, they're, yeah, they're going into... 60 they're, barrel fermenters, or 60-heck fermenters. But they're distributing a little bit, Yeah, right? I think that's and the plan. Yeah. I think they're going to have some packed, I think, through the cans. Yep. Is what yep. the they're conversation gonna... is at the moment. So, yeah, they're going to they're gonna pump out some beer out there. And I don't think you could have found anybody better uh, than Holly to go out there and run it. I mean, my goodness, what a what a talent. She's going to walk in there as one of the best brewers in the U.K., in my estimation. So um, she's going to do some crazy stuff. I think London uh, London's in for it. They're going to get some fun beers out of it. Well, that's Holly. good. Yeah. I mean, London, they're... The breweries there, uh, I mean, I, I feel like London is probably rivaling Chicago in terms of o- overall breweries. Tremendous growth. I visited London for the first time in 2011 or 12, and I believe there were 12 breweries in London, and there are you know way over 100 now. I don't know how, mm. I'm not sure what the total number is. And it, those, it, it depends on what you call London and what you call a brewery and all that stuff. But um, <laughs> they have a lot of breweries now, and it's really exploding. And you can buy Hellas, locally made Hellas in London. And, right. you know, 10 years ago, you certainly couldn't do that. And it Camden Brewing is making their, yeah, they have a Hellas lager that's oh, everywhere. Oh, there's a and, lot of yeah. places. There's there's a brewery that makes uh, Czech lagers there. It's a, it's a really exciting place. They're doing a lot of cool stuff. What they're doing in craft, uh, sorry, cask beer, what hmm. little breweries are doing with cask beer um, with uh, New World Hops is pretty amazing. Nice. It's a, it's, a, it's a cool place. So, yeah, I'm sure that she'll have a, a blast. Uh, and I think they'll have a blast with her because yeah. Holly is, I mean, she's, she's great at what she does. She's an incredible brewer. Uh, but also, uh, she's, she's a trip, man. She's one of our favorite people. So, <laughs> um, I can't wait to see what she does out there. Well, when, uh, when that opens, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll try to finagle a trip out there so we can sit down for the podcast there. Oh, yeah. There and we'll, we'll try to get her drunk enough so we can hear her accent. Oh, the Georgia. Oh, when, the, when the Georgia comes out. Oh, that's, it's, a, it's, a, it's always there. There's it's, a little bit of it all the time. You I want, you I want to tell you what? It's a blossom. Tell you what. She just leans right on into it after a beer or two. Excellent. Wow. All right. Well, thank you, uh, uh Meg Schwarz. Uh, how do you say the name? I, I, I mean, uh, I'm butch. I'm Americanizing a German name, but I say Schwarz. You say Schwarz. Schwarz. Okay. And uh, Wags. Wags. We'll Wagner. Uh, Germanizing a German name. That's Although right. Although it's not Wagner, so I guess it could true. be worse. But that's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah. Wags is fine. That's true. A couple of uh, German descendants working here uh, in America for <laughs> yeah, an exactly. Irish company. Exactly. So, perfect. Yeah, yeah, Nailed perfect. <laughs> All right. Thank you, guys. Cheers. Of Thanks, course. Jeff. Yeah. Thank you to Megan and Wags for joining me and inviting me out to Chicago. In fact, I had uh, a blast in Chicago, which is a city I haven't spent as much time in as I would as I would like. I, I love Chicago. Chicago rocks. It's, it's such a great city. Chicago's the best. It yeah. is. It's just a really great city. And it's a really good beer city now. So yes. uh, that is a change. I remember when we, years, we were in Wisconsin and Chicago was terrible and years afterwards, you referred to the beer from Chicago as swamp water. Uh, this was before breweries really started opening. Um, I think it was just a slag at the Fibs in Illinois, but nevertheless, it actually was uh, it was actually pretty true. So Chicago has really stepped up their game, and um, 
by the time you read this, you'll probably know that I've, I've talked about some of the other breweries that I saw when I was there, uh, including a couple of uh, interesting uh, breweries that were started at incubators, which is fascinating. And we may even talk about that on the blog or on the pod in the future. But anyway, uh, cool city, a lot of cool stuff going on. Wish I could go back there more often. Yes. Yeah, I know. I need, I need to get there again soon. I was there a couple of years ago, but time to go back. All right. A few words going out. Please subscribe on Apple, SoundCloud, Spotify, Audible, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to rate us. Five stars, please. That helps other listeners find the show. We'd love to hear from you. So please send your questions or comments to Jeff at BeerVanaBlog.com or on Instagram at BeerVanaPod. Uh, we don't have time for any mailbag. We'll, we'll do some next pod. Uh, Jeff blogs at the Beervana blog, and he tweets at Beervana, and we both Instagram at Beervana Pod. All right, uh, we don't have anything to cheers with, but cheers, Jeff. Cheers. You can imagine me holding my giant glass of uh, Guinness Draft when I recorded that podcast. Yeah, and you can envision me just sitting at home doing nothing, <laughs> drinking nothing, no invites, no beer, no nothing. That's right. So yeah, cheers, Jeff. Cheers, <laughs>